This episode of Real Ag Radio is brought to you by Intruvix Herbicide from FMC. Intruvix Herbicide gives you the best of both worlds, fast-burning activity and long-lasting systemic action for more consistent broadleaf control pre-seed to cereals. See your local retailer today. It's time for Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Radio and realagriculture.com is your home for insight and analysis of the issues that are impacting your farm business. Let's get real and get connected with Real Ag Radio. Welcome to Real Ag Radio here on Roll Radio 147, Sirius XM. Sean Haney, your host here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Thanks so much for making Real Ag Radio and Rural Radio 147 a part of your workday. And a big shout out to everybody else listening out there on the Real Ag Radio podcast. As I've been telling you all week, we are broadcasting from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We are at Crop Production Show. And today's kind of a bit of a special treat because we are on location here in this beautiful... I, I, I think new. I think we can say new. Syngenta booth. Uh, it's great to be here with Syngenta. They've been strong, longtime supporters of Real Ag Radio and Real Agriculture, so we very much appreciate that. You can find out more by going to syngenta.ca, and you're going to find out a little bit about some of the Syngenta products and programming and things going on at Syngenta here today on the show. We've got a great lineup for you. We're going to be talking about fungicides. We're going to hear today all about Invita. Talk about the general biological space, why there's Syngenta and others, competitors in the market are so focused right now on on biologicals. So there's a lot to cover here. We also have a panel at the end, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun as well. So stay tuned for a great hour packed here with agronomic discussions. Jen Meyer is with me right now. Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. We're so happy to be here. This is fun. This is fun. is fun. Okay, so Jen, what do you do at Syngenta? I'm a territory sales rep um, covering a territory sort of like west of Yorkton um, in that east central part of the province. So, yeah. Good conditions there. We had a really, uh, it was a lot of hard work this year, but we had the Christmas miracle harvest and, and yeah, my customers really had a good year. So Good stuff. So w- was I correct that this is a new booth? Yeah, this is the first time that this booth um, has been, yeah, full of employees and at the show. So, yeah, people should come check it out. Yeah, awesome stuff. So what's been the scuttlebutt? What's been sort of the uh, a lot of the discussions of farmers coming to the booth here this week? Oh, I would say just, um, you know, crop prices are still really healthy. Depending on the geography, uh, either moisture is absolutely not a concern lots of snow or we've had lots of discussions about uh, some of the south where there's yeah still some challenges and we could use some more moisture so good stuff and you know what i'm just seeing my buddy tom wolf walk by here too so hey tom how are you i'm good sean how are you doing hey so what are you doing what are you checking out at the show here you know, I always ask the same question, what's new? And uh, if something's new, I'll stop and talk. Well, you know, we're going to be talking about fungicides here in a little bit with Syngenta, so you, you might want to stick around. So, because in terms of, hey, you know what, I'm going to get you right now. In terms of application of fungicides, what, is, what are a, a major consideration that growers have to do to apply that fungicide properly in Western Canadian prairies? Know your pathogen. Where is it? Where, what part of the plant does it infect? What part of the plant needs protecting? And where is that plant? part. 
Is it at the top or the bottom of the canopy? And that determines whether you need to penetrate that canopy or not. And the best way to penetrate the canopy is with water. Perfect stuff. Hey, I appreciate you stopping. Look at that. Just live on the spot. We're like, hey, just grabbing people out of the audience. Hey, Tom Wolf, Sprayers 101. Tom, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks. Jen, where were we? That's a very tough act to follow. I have nothing to add. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mentioned Invita. We're going to hear about that here today on the show. But there's there's other products in the lineup at Syngenta that I know uh, you're talking to growers about and you're su- the company's super excited about. Well, since, since Tom kind of gave us a segue there into fungicides, um, this is the fourth, I think we're going into our fourth year that we launched the Miravis brands into the market. And uh, I think we can say that it's been just a very successful adoption of that technology. And at this time, there's, there's really almost a Miravis brand for um, every one of the key diseases that that our customers have to tackle in Western Canada. Um, so stop by the booth and let us learn a little bit more about your operation, and we can let you know what we might have that might be a good solution for you. So, yeah, great stuff. We also have a giveaway. What's going on here? What, what's what are we giving away? Oh yeah, we have got. Um, I want to make sure I get this right. We've got a Dewalt 20 volt high torque impact wrench. All you got to do is just come talk to one of the really nice people here at Syngenta, and we'll we'll let you know how you can put your name in for that draw. So, I think it was Tim the Toolman Taylor. Ho, 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 he used to say, <laughs> that's a power tool. Okay, Jen, thanks so much for joining us. Really great to talk to you. Take care. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Nathan Clegus. We're going to talk about this whole area of biologicals and the why. You're listening to Real Lag Radio here on Rural Radio 147 Sirius XM, brought to you by Syngenta. There's power, and then there's superpower. Take control. Eliminate weed competition. Start clean in spring. Manage weeds early in canola, cereals, pulses, and soybeans. The unstoppable superpower of pre-seed from New Farm. Blackhawk, Conquer, Goldwing, Thunderhawk. Convenient formulations and multiple modes of action. Add more power to glyphosate, more benefits to your burndown. Go to newfarm.ca slash burndown. As you look ahead to the next growing season, there's a lot to consider when it comes to your crop. You need every possible advantage available to you. The Pulse School on realagriculture.com has everything you need to make the best choice for you and your farm. On-demand videos with leading industry experts, available anywhere, anytime. Go into the season confident and ready with The Pulse School on realagriculture.com. Here's what Wheat Pete's Word on realagriculture.com is all about in under 30 seconds. It's wheat time. I love wheat time. I love wheat. Get that sulfur on. Get that seeding rate right. Get that nitrogen on your wheat right. Get that protein. Know your variety. Know when you need to put fungicides on. Pick your product. Pick your rate. Do the right job. Get this wheat crop right. Have a nice day. Grow amazing wheat. Welcome back to Real Lag Radio, broadcasting from the Crop Production Show in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Hope you're having yourself a great day. Today's show is brought to you by Syngenta. Let's bring in our first guest, and it's Nathan Clegus. He is Syngenta Canada's Biological Business Manager. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. Good to be here. 
Yeah, you know, it's been a while, Nathan. Um, what do you, you know, last time we chatted, you were in a different role, Syngenta. What, what are you doing now? So as the biological business manager, uh, really looking at bringing products to the Canadian growers that uh, have a biological backing, but wanting to get products that they can use on their farm. And I've been focused on that for the last couple of years at Syngenta. You know, th- there is an immense amount of velocity to the growth of the biological space. Obviously, you know, Syngenta is not the only company that is, is, you know, trying to forge ground here. From your perspective, why now? Why, why is this caught on so much? Why is, it such, why is there so much money being invested? Why such a push? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think when we when we look at this space, I mean, from a Syngenta point of view, we can look at it from the perspective of we always want to help growers grow their best crop. Biologicals have a fit within that. As an overall market uh, and, and from a competitive standpoint, science is getting better within this space in terms of being able to you know, understand what these biological products are actually doing, how they work, how to make them more consistent. So to your point, there's a lot of dollars being put into the science and into the research. So even though we've had, you know, inoculants as an example for many, many years as a biological product, the expansion within this growth, within this market is huge. Uh, and if you probably don't see a press release every couple of weeks of an acquisition or a, or a deal being done, uh, it would be a surprise. So, uh, you know, science being number one, and then two, it's filling gaps that we need. We can't just think about it from the perspective of what do we have for products right now uh, that growers might need, but we have to think about five and 10 years from now. How can we fill those gaps that might be showing up? So it's been a big part of our focus at Syngenta to make sure that we're ready for uh, the future as well. So when we say biological, yep. we're basically talking about some sort of living organism that is serving a purpose in, a, in an applied product? <laughs> that is the yeah, most I mean, rudimentary description, but is that correct? Partially correct. So biologicals overall, if you think about it, you know, what is a biological product? A biological product is bringing an active ingredient from a biological backing that's the active ingredient within this product, but it doesn't have to be living. So some of our products are living bacteria. Some of them are living fungus-based uh, products. But other ones are plant extracts. Uh, some of them can be uh, causing pheromone properties uh, for that, that interception with the, the insects. They don't have to be fully living, but they come from a backing of a biological product. So it's really a great question because, you know, you can think of biologicals like you can think of synthetics. We know there are such, such variability within the synthetic world. It's the same in biologicals. So you really need to look at what's the product that you're, you're looking at to um, you know, say it is biological, but we have to treat it a little bit differently because maybe it is a living bacteria and has a one-year shelf life or doesn't like really cold temperatures. Conversely, you could have a plant extract that could have a lot longer shelf life that could, um, you know, handle different conditions in terms of application. It really depends on the product. So when we think about biologicals at Syngenta, we're thinking about biocontrols, and those are registered with the PMRA. We're thinking about biostimulants, and those can really help with stress management in that crop. And then we think about biofertility, and that's really about making nutrients for that crop available. Are they being, you mentioned PMRA, are they being tested like other products by PMRA? Or is like, how does that work? Yeah, so from a biocontrol standpoint, those are products that are going to have a control claim on the label like you're used to seeing from a synthetic, right? So it's going to say it's on a certain crop at a certain timing, 
uh, and will control a certain pest. So that is registered through the PMRA. So following a very similar process as a synthetic. But when you think about other categories within biologicals and registered through the CFIA, it is a different process and will require different information being submitted for that registration. In terms of the life cycle, and you know, this, I assume there's a long life cycle here, we're, but where, where are we at in the stages? Are, are we kind of like, because I remember hearing about biologicals back in like 2010 and nobody was in it. Like there was like a few companies. Now there's a lot. So there's, we, we were getting investment, but where are we at in terms of the, like, I assume we're still very early days. Yeah, this is early days still. I mean, technically we use biological many, many years ago before we had synthetics, right? We were doing things in that category uh, without really knowing that, you know, or, or categorizing as biologicals. But now in terms of where the science is going, uh, you can, you know, if I use a parallel example, using inoculants from, you know, when they were introduced, you know, you had to be really careful and really work uh, to get it on the seed and plant right away using soybeans as an example. And now, you know, 30 years later, you can put it on the seed 225 days before you uh, would be planting that seed. You can put it on with your uh, seed treatment package. That's still the same bacteria. But it's all of the science that has gone into, you know, keeping it alive, keeping it to survive on the seed, improving the uh, strain of the bacteria itself. So we're early days, to your point. Uh, things are only going to get better. We're only going to understand and make products more consistent as we move forward. And, and you know, the investment is only going to make products more accessible and more uh, usable on the farm. So how do you see biologicals changing the, the way that producers manage their crops you, is, is are we going do you think we're going to see big differences i think that for a biological product in the near term to be successful they don't they shouldn't be trying to change the way they actually manage the crop right they shouldn't have to do a separate pass it should work into their system however the reason to be doing this right now is to get that experience and to get, you know, we, we've, you know, no question. The, the weather conditions that we face across all of Canada every year are more challenging, right? And so when you think about a biostimulant providing, uh, you know, better stress management for that crop, it helps to, uh, you know, change the way that a grower is really able to manage that, that weather condition. Uh, but still use it within his normal spray pattern of putting it on with his herbicide as an example at that timing. Or conversely, with our with our product in Vita that uh, Brady will be talking about coming up, I mean, really, we want to see it used at the right place at the right time. That means using it, uh, getting it into the plant, but it has to fit on their farm. Putting it on at the same time as they're going out there with their herbicide spray, as one example, just so they're not changing their practice, but they're getting the benefit of using the biological. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, you know, why would a grower consider a biological uh, product? Um, I, I guess the answer is, is results. Are, and, and maybe I'll jump to, ahead to, are we seeing the results, the returns from biological products at this point? Yeah, when we look at, you know, I can only speak to what's in our portfolio, right? So in terms of the results that we're starting to see, you know, ideally in a biological space, we're trying to hit about an 80% uh, win rate. Right, so 80% of that time we're getting a, 
a positive return. And we'd like to see it even higher than that. But that's really in the biological space where we're at. And the reason for that, you're using a biological in a biological world. There's a lot of weather factors that can come into effect. And so it's really key for success to be using, you know, best management practices depending on the product itself, right? So that's really key. Each one is going to have different um, ways that you kind of have to work with it, you know, depending if it's alive, depending how it gets into the plant. So those are all key aspects to keep in mind by each product. But in terms of results, you know, looking across the board um, between our biocontrols, you know, that's a registered product controlling a disease or an insect. Uh, so seeing the results there when it comes to biostimulants and biofertility, really it comes down to yield at the end of season and giving a better uh, marketable crop. That makes sense. Okay, so w- w- where does the future kind of look like here? Do do is this a case where biologicals are a complement, a companion to traditional synthetic products, or is this a replacement long term? Is it becomes harder and harder to find actives and like what? What does this space look like going forward? If I had the answer for that, Sean, well, come on, uh, you I, can tell us. It's just it's just I, you and me. I, no, this is the thing. <laughs> Every day it might be a different answer, but the reality right now. So our focus right now is 100% as a complement with our current portfolio. Right, we're seeing a good fit of how this works into a system. So putting on a biostimulant along with your herbicide to help with that stress management recovery, depending on what that weather condition that could also be impacting the crop. Great fit. Using Invita in terms of the the perspective of you know filling in that nitrogen gap because field applied nitrogen isn't always plant available because of the weather conditions right so fitting it in longer term um, I mean if you look at Europe if you look at other parts of the globe we are seeing uh, less products being available right so we have to think like I said a bit earlier we have to think about not only just right now having products but also for the future and seeing how they can fit in so fitting in right now is a complement. But as we get more consistent, stronger products, you know, portfolio and pipeline improvements, yeah, it might be in terms of replacement five, 10 years from now. Okay, so a lot of times we talk about biologicals, we talk about, you know, this optimistic future, There's, you know, the opportunity and, and the why. What's the barrier? What, what's, what's the thing, what's the, what's the wall in front of us look like that we are trying, and when I say we as an industry, trying to hurdle over top of? I would say one of the hurdles is just past experience, right? You can get a home run one year and a strikeout the next year. We want to get more doubles, right? Consistently doubles, right? Every single year. So hitting that sort of uh, consistent uh, response will get better uh, repeat usage by the growers, right? So that kind of gets us past our historical uh, maybe experience that some people have had. I think the other part of it too is just that the, the science and the backing that is now in place is really helping uh, to explain what the product is doing and being really clear as to how to work with each product. Because like I mentioned, some of them have to be treated differently. That's really key, but that's not unlike synthetic products as well. They always have best management practices for those. It's the same in this space. So, you know, consistent uh, uh, response and and working with each product the way it needs to be worked with will help us get over that barrier. Great stuff. Hey, Nathan, I uh, really appreciate you joining us here today. I know uh, lots going on. This is a busy uh, farm show conference and you're just, everybody's all over the place. So I appreciate you making time for us here today for Real Ag Radio. Thank you, Sean. When we come back, we're going to talk to Brady Code. We're going to do a product spotlight. We're going to talk about Invita. Uh, Nathan mentioned Invita. 
This is uh, one of the biological products that a lot of there's a lot of opportunity and uh, a lot of reasons for that as well. You're listening to Real Ag Radio, brought to you today by Syngenta. We call ourselves Canola Master because we want every canola grower to achieve growing perfection. That's why we're launching the 160 Acres of Gold Giveaway and giving you a chance to win everything essential for 160 acres of canola, including agronomy, premium seed, use of our most advanced seed drill, fertilizer, crop protection, and everything essential for harvest. Master your canola with the 160 Acres of Gold Giveaway. Conditions apply. Learn more at canolamaster.ca. In the last decade plus, we've seen quite a significant rise in genetic potential for yield with some of these newer varieties. Look forward to bigger yields uh, and better protein profiles as well. On a per ton basis, because we're producing more and more grain on, on every acre of land, our energy use in the last 30 years has declined by 30%. And that's an incredible story. Keep up with all the latest in wheat at the Wheat School on realagriculture.com. The Corn School on realagriculture.com has everything you need to take your crop to the next level. Want expert agronomic advice? The Corn School brings you top-notch expertise. Want the latest research? The Corn School brings you cutting-edge research through conference coverage, trial results, and more. And the best part? It's all free and available on your smartphone, laptop, or device anywhere, anytime. The Corn School on realagriculture.com brought to you by BASF and Pride Seeds. Welcome back to Real Lag Radio, broadcasting today from the Crop Production Show in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Today's show is brought to you by Syngenta Canada. It is great to have them on board as, a, honestly, a longtime sponsor. Also a sponsor of our uh, wheat school and our soybean school a- as well. So uh, it's uh, great to do some work with Syngenta here today. Uh, we're going to do a product spotlight. We are joined right now by Brady Code. He is Syngenta Canada's Biologicals Technical Lead, uh, based out of the Maritimes. Brady, welcome. Thanks, Sean. We're going to talk about Invita, Brady. And, we, and, and the real agriculture audience has heard about Invita before. I, I'm really looking forward to learning about what you're doing with this product because there's a lot of chatter about it. Tell us about Invita. What, what does it actually do? So Invita is, is a bacteria. It was discovered back in 1988, and it was originally found in, on sugarcane. And it helps sugarcane fix nitrogen from the atmosphere. So they go, okay, how can we get this to work on their plants? And they've been working on it since 1988. And they've, they're on the 19th version of this bacteria. They keep selecting more efficient strains all the time that'll survive under different conditions and work in different crops. And it was initially sold in, in 2020. And we've been learning all along since then, like how does it work best for Canadian growers? So it's a bacteria, it gets inside the plant and it's trying to get inside a plant cells because it's looking for sugar, that's how it survives. And then once it gets inside a plant cell, now it starts fixing atmospheric nitrogen for itself. Now the plant goes along growing saying, well, I've got lots of soil available nitrogen, I'm fine. And then it might hit a gap and go, I actually need more nitrogen. And it starts using what Invita is producing. So Invita just starts producing more. In terms of how it works, is it more effective on certain crop types over others? It seems to work on, on, a, on a, 
lot of crop types in Canada. We've tried it on corn, soybeans, potatoes, wheat, canola, uh, anything that's planted in rows, basically, which is a lot of things. Um, and it, it, there seems to be no real limit to which crops it's going to fix nitrogen in. How long has it been on the market? Uh, since 2020, that was when it started being used in Canada. And Syngenta is now the sole provider of this product for 2023. Okay, cool. And it, are there any best management practices the growers should be aware of if they are considering looking at Invita for 2023? Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a living organism. You have to remember that. This thing, it, it's alive. There are 10 million Invita bacteria in every milliliter inside the jug. And you're trying to keep them all alive as long as possible. So it starts with storage. You, you pick it up at your retailer, get it home, keep it in the shade. Don't let it into direct sunlight. You don't want it to get too hot. Then you're going to go use it. You shake the jug. Don't open the jug until you're going to use it. And then use the whole jug once you have it open. And then the next thing is the, the shelf life is the current season. So you're going to buy Invita every spring and then use it all. And then next year, buy some more. Um, what Invita, when you're spraying it, there, because it's a living organism, there's things it likes and it doesn't like. It doesn't like when it's really dry because it's going to desiccate, dry out. And it doesn't like to be free, freezing. Like you don't want it to be, you don't want to see a frost or have the temperature go below zero the day after you apply it. That would be a bad thing. What it does like is moisture because it has to swim around. It has to find root tissue to get into or it has to find an open stomate on a plant. So if you're applying it foliarly, it wants to get into stomates. That's how it largely gets into plants. And it, for most crops, the stomates are open during the day. They tend to close under drought conditions and they tend to close at night. So it tells you when you want to spray early morning you know, or late in the evening. Uh, when you're spraying foliar, you want to apply at least 10 gallons per acre with your water volume for your application time because it, it needs to have good coverage. And you would, when you're going to mix it with other products, it's convenient that way. You can mix it with other products, but put Invita in last. We want to make sure that there's water in there with whatever product you've also got in there, whether it's fertilizer, whether it's a herbicide, or even a fungicide. Get some water in there and then throw your Invita in last. The other thing is some products like Phenoxy herbicides, they don't, Invita doesn't really like being in the tank with those for very long. It can still work if you've got a phenoxy in the herbicide in the tank, but get to the field, then throw your Invita in, and then start spraying. Uh, one thing it does not like for sure is copper. Copper kills bacteria, and Vita is a bacteria. So you can kind of figure that out. Brady, if somebody wants more information on Invita and whether it's the application or best management practices or just info about the product, where do they go? Um, well, number one, contact your Syngenta rep and or your retailer and they can get some information for you um we're learning all the time and we're getting people better advice as as we gain more experience with these products great stuff hey brady thanks so much for joining us here today thanks sean that is brady code he is uh, syngenta canada's biologicals technical lead make sure you check out that website or talk to your local syngenta rep if you have questions about invita very pretty cool stuff there for sure when we come back on real lag radio we got more from crop production show brought to you by syngenta canada
Advancing Women Conference, the national leadership conference for women in agriculture, is celebrating 10 years of bringing women in ag together. Calling all producers, students, entrepreneurs, representatives of grower associations, and corporate agribusiness together in Calgary on March 12th, 13th, and 14th. Visit advancingwomenconference.ca for more information and to register. Canola and its beautiful bright yellow flower blankets the prairies every growing season with 20 million plus acres. There's one place you need to go to get all your canola agronomic information, canolaschool.com. That's where you'll find all you need to know about seeding, disease, weeds and insects, harvest and marketing. Engaging and informative content all at your fingertips when you need the information. Visit canolaschool.com, brought to you by Invigor Hybrid Canola and BSF Canada. And welcome back to Real Ag Radio, broadcasting here today from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We're at the Crop Production Show. Today's show is brought to you by Syngenta. We're going to continue our discussion with some of our friends at Syngenta. As well, as we have also a farmer here as well. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, first up, Carolyn, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Carolyn Wilson, and I'm the agronomic service rep for South uh, Central and Southeast Saskatchewan. Nice. A, a little bit more moisture than, say, in the southwest corner? Um, I would say I was in between. I was everywhere from very dry to more than enough moisture. So I had all of that environment this summer. Also joining us is Ken McDougall. He farms outside of Moose Jaw. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Ken, tell us a little bit about your farm. What crops are you growing? That kind of stuff. So we're a pedigreed seed farm. We grow most of the major crops, durum, spring wheat, you know, canola, lentils, peas, chickpeas, flax. So a bit of a broad spectrum uh, pedigreed seed farm. I'm a recovering seed grower myself. <laughs> which all, which is funny. Yeah, you, he says he feels for me. So th- this is the part where whenever I say that to a seed grower, they always have the same reaction. They laugh. It's like, yeah, exactly. You got to be a little bit crazy. All the com- combine cleanouts, the roguing. You know, what are kids for? Roguing. Okay, uh, we're going to talk about fungicides here. Uh, great lineup. Uh, obviously, Syngenta is very, very excited about Miravis, uh, which we're going to get to in a little bit here. But uh, Carolyn, what are you hearing from growers here at the show? What, what's some of the basis of the conversation? Uh, we're we're well into this week at crop production shows, so I'm sure you've talked to a number of different customers. What's kind of been the scuttlebutt? Um, really, the biggest question I get at this show is what's new with Syngenta? So we've brought out some new products the last number of years, and I guess the expectation is that we're going to continue to do so, and every show we get that question. So it's a pretty big question. We have a lot of new stuff over the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay, so from a fungicide perspective, um, you know, it feels like we're a long ways from fungicide when we have, you know, chillier temperatures. But mind you, it could be worse. It could be like minus 50. Uh, we've had that this this week uh, from time to time. Um, but is this the time of the year where growers should be thinking about fungicide with it being so far away? Or is it a good idea to consider it because of some of the supply chain issues? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I always recommend if you know you're going to be using a fungicide or any crop protection product, you should just really be planning it with your Syngenta wrap or your retail and uh, just have it in your plan. It's it's a long ways away, but it's part of the plan, so add it in. I was going to ask you this question, but I'm going to jump to Ken. Ken, are you thinking about it now? <laughs> like, are, are you? Like, how do you know you're going to need to use it? Is it just past experiences? 
Yeah, so we work with our agronomists, we work with our with our reps. Uh, so Jeff has got some great people that we've worked with for a very long time. But yes, we are thinking about our, our, our needs. We basically have a rotation in place. We know what crops we're going to grow. We know what kind of issues we have with resistance. So it's all part of the package. So yeah, we've already booking product, frankly, because supply chain has been quite a challenge the last couple of years. And there's, there's different resistance issues we have to work with. There's root rot and anthracnose and group 11 resistance issues. There's all types of things that as farmers we have to have a handle on or maybe we can't get the product that we want. Maybe we can't grow a crop that we want to grow because of that. So yes, we're for sure planning that ahead of time. And do you do side-by-sides and things like that to sort of go through that evaluation on a yearly basis of, okay, here's where I didn't use a fungicide. Here's where I did. Here's the difference. Or in this given year, maybe it was the same. Just... Anyway, looking at the results. Yeah, so we, we're we very much about that. So we work with our agronomy team. We work with our reps with, from Syngenta. Brian's been awesome to work with over the years where we have where, where we do trials. So because we're seed growers, we're always doing trials anyway with our different varieties. So with our with as the new products come out, like, like Moravis, and I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, um, we the last one we did was uh, a check with no fungicide, a check with their product, and a check with their competitor's product, and trying to use that yield data to make decisions going forward. So that's something that Seagors we're always doing. Okay, so, sorry, Carolyn, I'm going to get back to you in a second here, but this is this is interesting because I think Kim brings up a good point. I, I want to, it's great you're doing that. Are you using, like, precision ag tools? Like, how are you getting to the yield? Are you doing it through weigh wagons? Or, like, talk about how you've made that process. If you're doing all that kind of testing, how are you making it go as smoothly as possible? Because a lot of times at harvest, we get crunched for time, and it's like, you know what, screw the trial. Let's just get this done. So how, how do you manage it? And be honest, Ken. <laughs> well, it, frankly, it is a major pain in the butt. Uh, but as seed growers, we're always doing extra cleanouts. We we normally, when we're doing trials, we'll have a second grain cart in the field so we can have one combine doing the trials, the other two doing the rest of the field. So it is a pain, but if you really want the data... Um, uh, we measure the fields. We we use our grain cart scale that's that's uh, certified to 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 weigh. So we try to do it as accurate as possible because as we spend these dollars, if we don't know what we're spending them on, we've wasted our time. So if we're either going to do it right or not do it at all, I like that. That's a that's a good uh, process for everybody out there to kind of consider and and follow. Carolyn, let's jump over to Group 11 resistance. This is something I, I, I'm sure you have been hearing about in the booth from farmers that have been stopping in. Yeah, for sure. It's a topic of discussion for sure. Growers are hearing about it, trying to understand it, and uh, figuring out what's next for them and how they can, can manage what's happening out there. Okay, I'll lead you a little bit here. How do they manage it? Because <laughs> I, 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 I myself am asking the same question. So from an agronomy standpoint, the best way to manage it really is to use proper staging and timing of your fungicide applications. And so really understanding your crop development and when the best time to get ahead of that anthracnose is, always being really early flower timing. And then obviously on the fungicide side, you want to use the right tool for that anthracnose or um, get out there and, and use the right fungicide, which you know on the Syngenta side, our solution is going to be a lattice. Okay, and how widespread is Group 11 resistance impulses? So it's fairly widespread. Uh, There's a provincial task force that was set up in 20... 
2019, I believe, 2020, and we've been doing surveying across the province, and the results have been coming in that it's very widespread across pretty much all of uh, all of the lentil-growing region. Do you got that problem, Ken? Yeah, we for sure have that problem. And then as a sea grower, what I'd like to add in regards to that is proper rotation. So, you know, I'm not an agronomist, but we encourage, you know, our customers to, to spread their rotation. You know, a three-year rotation is starting to become a problem with resistance, with um, whether it's with anthracnose, whether it's with aphanomyces. Uh, so we're encouraging farmers to start stretching their rotation to a minimum four years, preferably five, which is extremely difficult. We understand that, but it would be better to grow lentils every five years than not be able to grow lentils. Amen to that, brother. And, you know, it's interesting, no matter what, issue we're dealing with in the field you could throw clubbered in there black leg the solution is always rotation it like it's always the answer i am not an agronomist i you know I, I don't even pretend to be here on the air but the reality is is that it's always the number one thing that comes up when you talk to an expert in the field yet we're still struggling with it because there's another side to the equation there's the agronomic considerations but there's also the economics, and sometimes those two things, they kind of conflict, Ken, let's be honest. Oh, for sure. So we, we, we talk about this with every one of our customers. We provide a large number of products, which include lentils, peas, and chickpeas. So we're always talking about rotation. We're always talking about uh, you know, the, the certain conditions that farmers have. And you know, when red lentils were 60 cents a pound, it was very attractive to grow durum lentils, durum lentils. But now that we have the problem with group 11 resistance and, and root rot, it's become a, a much bigger issue because not everybody can grow a chickpea. Not everybody can grow a fava bean. So it's an uh, extremely interesting topic of conversation that is uh, very important for our industry. You forgot about snow in that rotation because snow canola is a rotation, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but now with a lot of the mixtures and add-ons, we got to be paying attention to what group we're using too. And I know a lot of growers are doing that. It may sound very elementary, but I think it's a very good reminder for us to be keeping track of that stuff. Yeah, as far as the groups are concerned, it's different for herbicides than it is for fungicides. So speaking specifically on the fungicide side and and more towards this lentil concern with this anthracnose, um, not all fungicides that are from the same group actually work the same on the same pathogens. So that is something that is a bit of a misnomer for a lot of growers. And I think it's important that you, you, as a grower, talk to your agronomist and really work through the best product based not just on that group, but on the actual activity of that group on the pathogen that you're going after. Ken, share, how do you keep track of all this? Like, is, you mentioned your agronomist a couple of times. Seems like a pretty valuable relationship that you have in terms of your agronomic management. Yeah, so we we rely heavily on our agronomists. So we have a you know agro consulting is our agronomist uh, uh, company that's based out of Nippu and has agronomists all over the province. We lean on them a lot to make sure that we're that we're covered. That we that we're applying the right products at the right time. Uh, they work closely with our with our chemical and fungicide reps. So uh, for our farm, we we've had to go out and do that and and obtain that help because we're not agronomists and we have a we have a busy farm um, life. But um, um, for other people, there's great. Uh, there's normally great people that are uh, that work for the retails that offer agronomy services, um, and there's lots of options. But for us, the our our hiring an agronomy team was extremely valuable to our farm. If somebody has more questions about 
fungicide, Syngenta lineup in this category? Any recommendations on how to get more information? I, obviously, talking to your local Syngenta rep, that's a good place to start. Yeah, it's a great place to start. Um, I, myself, am an agronomist in the Syngenta group, so I am kind of that go-to and can help you out as well. But I encourage you to come down to the show, talk to your rep. Um, our website is also a plethora of information, so lots of good documents on that. And, uh, yeah, reach out to the retail and come find us in Syngenta. Hey, Carolyn, thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. And Ken, I got one more question for you. When it comes to fungicides, what is the main benefit? Like, what's the why for you in terms of fungicides? Wow. Okay. Well, in in my mind, you know, we're a, we're a chickpea grower, so you know, so we're very much involved in the fungicide game. Um, it's, That's like being a blueberry farmer. Yeah, yeah. You have to be a little crazy to grow chickpeas. I got to admit it. So, um, but as far as as fungicide for us, it's protection protecting that plant off the bat of course there's the other benefits with uh with some of the diseases that are out there but protecting that plant right off the bat is the key for us we're normally drawing off at moose jaw that that second pass is is a debate it's uh it's a field scouting it's it's talking to your reps it's talking to your agronomist uh but we're protecting that plant to give it the best start is what is what is how we look at it because we are normally not in a wet uh wet area Great stuff. Hey, Ken, thanks so much for joining us. All the best in the 2023 growing season. You gotta be, you feeling optimistic? I, I have a great uh, feeling about 2023. Uh, farmers seem to have a bit of a jump in their step this spring or this winter, getting ready for spring. Generally, there's moisture on the ground. Uh, I know we got a long way to go to, to, before we can grow a crop, but uh, very optimistic for 2023. Like it, optimism, good place to be. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Real Ag Today is brought to you by Syngenta here on Rural Radio 147 Sirius XM. If you're involved in the agriculture industry, it's important to stay informed on all the latest issues affecting your business. At realagriculture.com, we offer fast, reliable news, information, and insights to help you keep on top of all of the latest in Canadian agriculture. Visit realagriculture.com and sign up for our free daily newsletter covering everything from news, agronomy, animal agriculture, and much more. Visit realagriculture.com forward slash subscribe today. Want to get the best out of your soybean crops? Whether you've been growing them for a generation or are just starting into soybeans, find what you need to know at SoybeanSchool.com. You'll see videos on growing tips, pest control, and much more from specialists across the region, all in one place. Easy for you to access from your desktop, tablet, or mobile phone. Maximize your yields by staying up to date with the Soybean School, presented by BASF, Pride Seeds, and Syngenta Canada. Welcome back to Real Lag Radio here at the Crop Production Show in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And today's show is brought to you by Syngenta, as you've been hearing all day. Make sure you go to syngenta.ca or talk to your local Syngenta representative about all their lineup of products and solutions for your farm. Let's continue our kind of conversations here agronomically. And we got a panel here together for the last segment. It's going to be fun. Uh, Kyle, uh, introduce yourself and what do you do at Syngenta? name is Kyle Jordette. I'm the agronomic service representative for Sagenta. Uh, so yeah, based out of southwest Saskatchewan, kind of doing more of the agronomy side of the world is what I kind of do currently. So, You're in the dry area. Yes, we're very dry, uh, very, very dry land and uh, a lot of insects too the past couple of years. So very bad conditions for growing overall. So, 
I hear you. Okay, also joined by Derek. Derek, uh, what do you do at Syngenta? Where are you based out of? Yeah, I'm Derek Berg. I'm the sea care specialist based out of Swift Current, covering off uh, all of West Central and Southwest Saskatchewan. Great stuff. And also joined by Madison. Madison, what do you do at Syngenta? I am a territory sales rep, and I work out of the southeast corner of Saskatchewan. I'm based kind of around Indian Head, Momart area. Okay, great stuff. Okay, we got lots to chat about. Let's get to it. Okay, so Kyle, we're going to hit on the main agronomic challenges that Saskatchewan growers are facing. Now, we, we were talking about it earlier here on the show. It's a wide range because we've got really good conditions. We've got okay conditions. You're in a, one of the areas facing a lot of adversity. Um, talk about what you've been hearing from growers here at the show. I think we're seeing, like I said, a lot of different uh, talking about different perspectives. Anywhere from being maybe too wet going into next year to too dry. Like I said, very wide, uh, you know, diverse kind of regions, what's happening out there. Uh, a lot of other scenarios too, just, you know, cropping structures, what we're going to grow. You know, fertility prices are you know, definitely a play into that. So whether pulse heavy or not, obviously, you know, the more dry area, weeds become a very big issue too. Koshas has been unruly, so that's kind of hurting the pulse uh, kind of growing area. So making that hard to kind of really know what's to really do going forward. I think other things too is just, you know, beyond agronomy is just things like guys are worried about things like just parts and equipment manufacturing, what's going to be out there, you know, fuel costs, all that kind of things are some questions guys are talking about and kind of really, you know, all scenarios going forward are trying to figure out what to grow and what to do for next year. So, Well, you don't have all the problems. Derek, being in seed treatment, you know, growers are faced with a ton of challenges. If fusarium, pythium, rhizotonia, wireworms, like the list kind of goes on and on. Um, we have seen a bit of a trend of people trying to get in the ground earlier and earlier, which I, I think Derek really speaks well to your area of expertise as seed treatments and then kind of, that kind of being a necessary piece of the agronomic equation. Yeah, so seed treatments are really your first and, and only line of defense against these diseases here. So if uh, if you do have an issue with them, there's no no remedy that you can come in with after the fact and, and either take care of those disease problems or... Uh, or those insect problems, specifically with the wireworms there. So, it uh, uh, with with the, the the seed treatment there, just making sure you get that on uh, on and in the ground there, especially like you mentioned with the, the early seeding there. Um, definitely very important for uh, for a grower to to help prevent those issues. And proper application, like with any product, whether we're talking fungicides or a herbicide. Seed treatment's in the equation, too. Application is really critical to allow that product to perform at its highest effective level. Definitely. Uh, application, uh, proper application, I cannot stress that enough. It, uh, putting it on at the right rate doesn't even necessarily mean it's covering that seed properly. Um, let's face it, these products are expensive, and for them to perform up to what, uh, what we guarantee, they need to be applied properly. And uh, the use of proper equipment and uh, and just taking your time, not really rushing that job, is, is very, very important when it comes to, to that application. Now, now, Madison, on top of all of this, herbicide resistance, we've already mentioned kochia, like resistant kochia, that is, that's a problem. We've got wild oat, wild oat resistance, which is a major factor across the prairies. This is something that growers continue to battle up against and trying to find solutions to. Yeah, we're seeing it more and more every single year. I mean, it's not something that we can neglect anymore. It's something, it's a challenge we have to face head on. So whether we're doing seed samples or utilizing a couple of different multi-mode products, when it comes to herbicide season, there's a, there's a couple options and we need to explore all of them. So what do you suggest they do? 
Is there is there is there some low hanging fruit here to help us out? Yeah, the first bit is I mean, start off with a seed or with a a plant sample and just see what you have going on. You know, is it group one? Is it group two? Um, what options do you have? So I mean. We have Horizon on the market. That's great. It was a great tool when when it first came out, and now we've upgraded. So moving into things like Traxos, Traxos Two, um, maybe it's in the Airbus Extreme space. There's there's options, and and it's something that we need to chat about for sure. So Kyle, I got to ask you, um, in 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 terms of getting advice, you know, we we heard earlier from Ken McDougall, farmer from Moose Jaw. He was talking about you know using you know talking to your agronomist. Obviously, you add retail into that. You know when you're dealing with all these different challenges as a farmer, you can't be expert in all of it. Bring in those that those areas of expertise to really help you put together a, a, a packet a solution package that that makes a lot of sense, not in the short term but the long term. So overall, like it's looking for an overall like package of solutions and that kind of stuff. I think it's you gotta look at the overall view, you know, look at what's happening out there, look at the different perspectives, uh, whether different chemistries, like Madison said, or different ways to make the crop grow. There's lots of different views you can take in and look at. I think that's the best thing of the approach is that no one's the one expert at it. So take as many ideas you can get, look at different situations, and really kind of advance your own knowledge to spread to that farmer to really help them out is the best kind of like, thing we can really do to help the guys out as much as we can. So. How many times has somebody walked into the booth and said, hey, can I get my hands on some Matador? Has that happened a lot? <laughs> Only a few times so yeah. far, but yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, too much, yeah. <laughs> Not to be used in 2023. Now, Madison, you're on the eastern side of the province. Conditions are a lot better over there than, than what Kyle's dealing with over on his side, right? Like, it's a totally different spectrum. Yeah, the world's different over there, kind of in a sense. We get closer to Manitoba, and it seems to shape up. <laughs> we've had uh, we've had kind of the right rains at the right time, and in a couple pockets. And I mean, that brings its own challenges as well, and it also brings some successes too. So we're uh, we're happy to move into this year with adequate soil moisture and see what the year has in store for us. Is is that one of the challenges? As people come to the booth and they say, "Hey, how do I battle this issue?" You got to kind of in Saskatchewan, you got to kind of ask where they're farming. Because we are seeing such a wide range of conditions across the province, uh, soil type is also a, a factor as well. So as we think ahead to 2023, from an agronomic standpoint, what are you most excited about? Because I, whenever I ask growers, there's a lot of optimism. There's some bounce in their step. They've, they, things feel a little bit clearer than they did last year, provided Mother Nature cooperates. That's a big, big variable. So... As you've been talking to farmers here, what, what kind of makes you excited about the, the year ahead as somebody that's you know, in this agronomy field? Kyle, what do you think? I think the optimism is definitely there. And over the past couple of years, being you know, such on the drought side of things, you know, seeing what we can do with such limited moisture with our farming practices have really been reinforcing we're doing the right thing. So I think you know, my perspective is seeing you know, what, that little bit more moisture, what can we really do, what can we really gain. I think we, much of these past couple of years have been really bad. I think we've also learned quite a bit to what we can do to you know, reinforce what we're doing the right way. So I think that's really encouraging and, and exciting for me to see what we have been doing and how we can make it better and what we can do to continue to move forward and try not, not make ourselves drought-proof, but definitely, you know, learn what practices have been working and have not been because, you know, we've been, if said, how dry we have been, it's amazing the yields we have got, even though they are single digits. You know, 20 years ago, they've been zero digits. So it's been kind of encouraging that way, so. 
Good point. It'd be nice to get a really good crop and get some stubble back in that ground. Well, that's the big thing, too. You know, overall organic matter has been decreasing like crazy. You know, even now, snowfall, we have some snow in the area, more than we've had in the past couple of years. Stubbles are full, but that's, you know, stubbles are only 8 inches, 12 inches high. So it's kind of a, it's a good thing, but we need more, right? So more organic matter, more everything. We need our soils to kind of improve where we're at. You know, unfortunately, we're probably two, three years, you know, of a wet cycle consistently to get back to normal. But hopefully we're going to get there. You know, if things kind of improve, we can get back to normal as best as we can and uh, get back to growing crops that we can, we can. So, Awesome stuff. Hey, Kyle, thanks a lot for joining us here today. Yeah, no, thank you very much, too. Okay, Madison. When you think of the year ahead, what are you optimistic about? I think the industry that we get to work in is an extremely cool place to be. So I think we should actually be thankful that we are in such a progressive industry that has so many opportunities, whether it's new products, new varieties coming out. Um, These companies are putting a ton of work into what we have coming out in the next couple of years. And the future, I think the future is bright. So I think stick to our basics, whether it's seed treatments with Derek or whatever, making sure you're using the right products in field. Fungicides, as Carolyn said. So I think tie it all together and kind of bring yourself the best package and the best odds going into the year. Just need Mother Nature to cooperate. Okay, Derek, how about you? Yeah, and just the optimism at the show here is is great to see. Like, I mean, let's face it, the last couple of years haven't been great. And kind of what uh, Kyle spoke about there, that we have been able to produce some crops off. Uh, yeah, maybe we haven't got the, the rainfall amount, but we've got the timely rainfall. And like with some good prices out there still. And like there's a lot of guys talking here that, you know what, maybe like in the southwest here, we saw some rain, a fairly significant rain here just after Christmas that uh, caused for some, some headaches and whatnot. But kind of hoping that that's the end of that that dry cycle and we can get back to whatever a, a normal year is here going forward so it just it's great to see everybody back at the show and just hearing some of the optimism that's definitely out in the, in the countryside there love it well put by all three of you thanks a lot for joining us really appreciate it if you have any feedback on today's show we'd love to hear from you send me an email shaney at realagriculture.com you can also find us on social media youtube twitter facebook instagram and tiktok or you can call the real ag feedback line 855-776-6147 big shout out to syngenta for being today's show sponsor here at the crop production show make sure you check them out syngenta.ca thanks so much to everybody for getting real and getting connect with real ag radio and we will chat again tomorrow cheers everybody Thank you for downloading this episode of Real Ag Radio, brought to you by Intruvix Herbicide from FMC. Intruvix Herbicide for Cereals delivers outstanding control of the toughest broadleaf weeds like Volunteer Canola, Narrow-Leaved Hawksbeard, and Kochia, including Groups 2 and 9 resistant biotypes. See your local retailer today.